Okay, so cute. Thank you for sitting down with me. Um, I have a lot of questions about um, the podcast all the time. Like people that I interview, they're always wondering like, oh, what do I do? What do I say? And you did ask me that. But a part of the reason that I didn't want to disclose that is because I like to give the intro each time and I like to keep it extremely candid and extremely like just let it flow and let it, you know, travel where it may. So there's my explanation for that. That being said, um, the podcast for season one on this podcast is really just more sharing uh, your journey and qualifying moments that you feel like uh, meant something to you along the way. And then, you know, it speaks to where you came from, what you're doing now and what you're looking to do in the future. So um, that's the, you know, overall premise of it. And you can um, start wherever or share whatever you would like to share. And there's no pressure. So, um, and, and I do like to open up with the cheers when I can. So seeing that we do have a little bit of Prosecco, if you will humor me, cheers. You got to look me in the eye. Okay. Eyes. <laughs> so yeah, um, please start wherever you would like to. And like I said, it's no pressure. It's very free flowing. So yeah. Okay. I got you. First of all, I would like to say, Claire, thanks for having me on your podcast. Yes. It's an honor to be on here tonight. And so I would just like, first of all, to say just thank you again. It's awesome. much appreciation. But like I said, my name is uh, Dequarius Green. I go by Q, Dequarius Q Green. And so I have a ministry. It's based off uh, One Decision Away, Coach mm-hmm. about it. And then uh, what that One Decision Away it does, what it turned into is to a speaking platform. So what I do is I'm an international speaker. So I go to colleges, high school, and churches. And I go around and share my story about the grief I've overcame, the guiltiness I overcame, and the perseverance, and um, what yeah, the perseverance that I overcame. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. So, um, do you want to talk about or dive into any of like you, you know, some of that grief that you experienced, or you know, where I don't know, like I know you're doing a lot now, and I know that there's a reason, you know, it gave you. Um, something to kind of build on. Um, so, is there anything you want to enlighten for that? Oh yeah, no, definitely, I definitely will. I definitely go into it because <laughs> I do it for a living. Yeah. Definitely good. So, to give you a brief background, so I got into a car accident when I was 18 years old, mm-hmm. two weeks away from my high school graduation, and before upon my high school graduation, I had one goal, and that was to follow my father's footsteps and go into the army. And so mm-hmm. that's what I was going to do. And so May 6th, day before my accident, I went to go take my ASVAB pass with flying colors. So here I am thinking I'm going to the military right after I got out of high school. Next day, unfortunately, things change and plans change. Mm-hmm. And so I wake up that next morning, uh, you know, look at myself in the mirror and I decided to say, you know, today's going to be a special day. And so how the day started off was me and two of my friends, we decided to take my parents' car. Mm-hmm. And I decided to take my parents' car without their permission get to the school, memory goes blank. So what my friends tell me throughout that day was, to, that was a wild day. Mm-hmm. One of the best days of our senior year. But it actually ended up turning to the worst days of our senior year by the end of the day. Because through that whole wildness and just us having fun being normal 18-year-olds, it got out of control. Mm-hmm. Carried on out to the parking lot where principals and teachers were being called and we all jumped in our cars. Mm. Two of my okay. friends got in the car with me. One of my best friend, Jasmine. 
was another good friend of mine. I'm just trying to. Before we left the parking lot, we didn't stop and think about to put on our seatbelt. Mm. And you think about it, you put on our seatbelts every single day, and it's a simple action. It take about seven seconds yeah. to put on our seatbelts, and we didn't do it. And little did we know that action was going to change our lives, not only our lives, but our family and friends' lives as well. Mm-hmm. Moments later, down the road, you know, we're speeding, thinking it's all a good time. I started to lose control of the vehicle. Car spins out of control, and the car starts to flip. Mm. And so... During that whole process, we're all getting ejected out the car due to us not on our seatbelts. Mm. So when I landed, I broke my neck, knocked unconscious immediately. Shanti landed, subsequently to her back, knocked unconscious immediately. And unfortunately for my best friend, when she landed, she had her head on the pavement where she took her last breath. Mm. And so I was, me and the Shanti were immediately flown to Gravemore Hospital. And I had to have a surgery the next day, which lasted six hours. Then that surgery, they put four screws in the back of my neck to replace the broken bone. And after a six-hour-long surgery, they told my mom and dad that your son, he survived the surgery, but he has one percent chance of living throughout the surgery. Mm. And if he does live, he'll need 24-hour care for the rest of his life. And during that whole process, that whole year, 2014, my dad has always said that, yo, I'm going to retire after my youngest get out of high school. My mom, she worked in the nursing field. So my mom just said, quit your job. You're going to have to work for the rest. You're going to have to be with your son for the rest of your life. Dad, we know you plan on retiring at the end of the year, but you're going to have to work a little bit longer. Right. And so for the next seven days after my surgery, I was in a coma. First time I wake up, it's pitch black, middle of the night. And so when I wake up, first thing I try to do is I try to get up. First thing thought that comes in my head, I'm in my room. And so I try to move, but nothing was moving at the time. Mm. You know, we've all had them dreams where we can't really move. And so we just go back to sleep thinking it's a bad dream. Mm-hmm. And I wake up in the middle of the night. And when I wake up, the next day, what I thought was a dream was really reality. Right. And so as I tried to get up, nothing was moving. And what I didn't know is that I was paralyzed from my neck down. Mm. And my dad had to inform me on everything that happened. And so when I became stable enough, they moved me to the sixth floor to Gravemore Hospital, which determined that I'd go to a special rehab facility which specializes in spinal cord injuries mm-hmm. and brain injuries. And so it was called the Shepherd Center. So I'd be transferred on May 23rd, 2014 mm-hmm. to the Shepherd Center. 10-minute ride from Grady to the Shepherd Center, which is Peace Street, Atlanta, Georgia. And so during that 10-minute ride... I was missing one of the most important days of my life, Claire. Mm-hmm. I was missing my high school graduation. Yeah, that graduation day. That graduation wow. day, right? That was two weeks before the accident. The mm-hmm. day that every kid dreams of once they realize the year and the day that graduation is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. I'm missing because of my decisions on May 7th, 2014. Not only am I missing my high school graduation, my life is gone through my responsibility. Best friend life is gone. Mm. And, I'm at a, and I'm in a position where I never thought I'd be because I had the mindset it wouldn't happen to me. Mm. So that happened in 2014. And so now, fast forward, we're in the 2021. So my life has changed so dramatically. Right. And I just have to perspective and look at life on a whole different outlet. Mm-hmm. And through that out my life, what I realized is that in the beginning phase, it was hard because I didn't know 
what my purpose was going to be. Right. I didn't know what what I was still living for. Mm-hmm. And I asked myself, like, yo, why am I still here? Mm-hmm. And through all them questionnaires, I found myself going to speak to different high schools mm. and different churches and different colleges and sharing my story. Right. And through sharing my story, I found out that it helped out many people that I didn't know that I actually could help out. And so without through sharing my story, I created my own ministry because people was telling me, man, you're going to have to create your own ministry. And right. so my dad, when I was little, he would always used to tell me, yo, Q, you want a decision away. No matter what you do tonight, today in life, mm-hmm. you and your friends, you'll want a decision away. Mm-hmm. And it went through one ear and out the other as an 18-year-old kid hearing those words. Right. But I wanted to turn my ministry into that to let people know, not young adults, or just adults in life who hear my story, that no matter what happens in life, the decisions that we make in life not only do it determine today, but determine our futures and our legacy for the ones behind us. And so that's what I do now. I'm in college. I'm in grad school. I just recently graduated right. in May. So I got, my, I got my undergrad in journalism with a minor in urban education. So now I'm in my master's program in the Macy program, where I concentrate on Creative and innovative education with a concentration in nonprofit. Mm-hmm. And so the goal is to eventually create my own nonprofit to get grants and do other things and to help out other youth and children, uh, to help out other people who have spinal cord injuries, but their insurance is not ever to cover up their bill. Right. And so maybe I can have money to help cover other people's insurance that the insurance may not cover to help them so they can receive the right therapy so they can relive and try to get back as much as possible as they can through therapy. Right, right. No, and and so I've, uh, like, when I met you, I always knew you were doing a lot, and that's why I was just like, I know you're doing so much now, and you're doing so many great things now, so I definitely, you know, wanted that insight on that, which, once again, like, you're, you're definitely um, really well beyond your years when it comes to, like, you know, the public speaking, which is my next segue, is that I do want to talk about the public speaking. Um, interestingly enough, I am, though I do have this podcast, I am uh, terrible at public speaking. And um, my, like, what I did to try and overcome it, and this is just like a, like a cheat code, it doesn't really fix anything. But I always admire people who do well in public speaking because um, I don't know why, but like my nerves get the best of me. And I realized, um, thankfully, I wear glasses. So I can take my glasses off and then I don't see people. I just see like blur of each individual. And for some reason, it lifts all of the like the nervousness and everything. It takes that away from me. But that is not a realistic thing to do as an adult and carry through life and be like, so you can take off your glasses every time you do, like if you have a whole conference, but um, don't get it twisted, I'm still gonna try it. But um, so yeah, I, I think the public speaking piece has always stood out to me as far as like what you're doing. And then of course, along with that, the story that you um, have to share and just how much positivity and help that you're providing other people with. Um, so yeah, can you tell me more about the public speaking piece and really how you got into it and um, what that's like? Like, is it a big conference? Are you always like facing an auditorium of people? And um, I don't know, like, did you ever have 
I, I guess, fears of public speaking, like how do you gain that confidence? Because that's a huge piece. It's like almost like a gift to be able to do public speaking well. And probably because I'm so bad at it is why I feel that way. But I always am going to respect it a lot. So yeah, can you tell us more about that? So the first time I was able, I was I was asked to go into public speaking, it was at my old high school. It was seven months after my accident. Mm-hmm. It was a kid who got into an accident. My principal, me and her, was real close. And she texted me. I said, I think it's time for you to tell, my, tell your story. Mm-hmm. And so different people have been telling me, like, you got a crazy, amazing story. But I was just so focused on therapy and trying to get back into my old life. And I still had dreams of going to the military, so I wasn't worried about public speaking. Mm-hmm. So I was like, you know what, Miss Shaw, I could definitely come back and just, you know, do a, do, do a service and go ahead and share my story to help out kids who were going into the prom and, and uh, graduation time just mm-hmm. so they know they're safe behind the wheel. It was at my old high school and it was seven months period. So them same people who was about to listen to my story, I actually went to high school with. Right, okay. And so they heard my story and it was just that first time I didn't even, I sucked. Like, the first time I did horribly. Really? Yeah, because I was crying. Like, oh, my God, it was not running down my nose, everything. That's not doing horribly, though. I mean, that's not doing horribly, but as a public speaking figure, it is doing horribly. You're not horribly. supposed to You're not supposed to cry and let the emotions yeah. get to you. So, at the time, it was just really, it was really emotional, mm-hmm. but as a public speaking setting, it was really bad. So, because as a public speaker, you're supposed to control your emotions mm-hmm. and let, and play off your emotions. But mm-hmm. during that time... The emotions was good because the whole gym, my first time speaking, it was probably in front of a thousand people. Mm, that's a lot. A lot. But I knew almost all the faces because I went to school with them. Right. And so everybody, most of the crowd, 75% of the crowd was crying. Yeah. Oh, And, I'm and sure. then of course you got your hard folks who are not crying, but they still feel it. Oh, in a way. yes. And so then everybody's coming up to me, just dapping me up, telling me, man, bro, we proud of you, the progress you made. And so... What I did was I had a mentor. He would always tell me, like, yo, if you want to do this, you got to take over your county. Mm-hmm. You got to take over your city. Then you got to take over your state. Yes. And I took that just real strong. It's like, okay. So what I did was I started calling up schools in Henry County. Like, yo, this is the Quarry's Q Green. Just not over a little over a year ago, I was in a car accident that I lost my best friend. Can I come and share my story with your graduating students or mm. your kids who about to go to prom? So that's how it all started. Yeah. And so I would go to different schools in my county. Then I would go and speak. And then that's how I would gain the public speaking. Then my story got out. People started to hear about me. And so with public speaking, you only get better as the more repetition Absolutely. as you get. And So I was calling different schools around saying, yo, this is the Queries Green. I was just in the car saying not less than a year ago. And I started sharing my story around there. Then word got around the rehabilitation facility that I did at the Shepherd Center found out that I was going around speaking. And so they helped me uh, network and just met other people in different counties to go around and share my story. And that's how it all started off. You take over your county, take over your city, and you take mm-hmm. over your state. And so then that's how I started getting known as a public speaker. And I really took that on. Like, I could really make a difference in some young kids' life. I may be speaking to a crowd of 500 or even 50 people. Mm-hmm. But as long as I reach one person, that's all that matters. Right. And so that was my focus on just every time I speak is to really just meet, uh, reach one person and just mm-hmm. try to change their life and their decision-making that they make out of their life. Because you know, just like in my life, and my circumstance, my life changed in the car accident. But right. it was way before the car accident happened because they really, they say once you're on a path to destruction, it's warning signs. 
Mm-hmm. And it's different warning signs, and I miss the warning signs that was along the way, mm-hmm. right? And so, just different signs, just in different people's lives, they have different warning signs that they miss upon a lot. They miss upon their life, but then that one decision could change your life that you make every single day. Because that was my first time taking my parents' car, mm-hmm. right? But it was definitely my last. Mm-hmm. And so, something that somebody does every day as a repetition, they never feel like they can get caught. Until it's that one day, until it's that one decision that could change your life. Yes. But also, I will say that I, I've, I've, you know, just in in other settings, I've seen that as a human nature. Here's what I found. We all, um, we all do things until we can get away, like as long as we can get away with it. And it's to a fault. So um, that's just like, again, really real to like just humans speaking, generally speaking, but then to add more value to it exactly to what you're saying like that that really compiles into you know something else so um so with the degrees what made you immediately transition into grad school because well I have a couple curious questions just with the military piece um because I also you know we both came from military uh upbringing specifically from our fathers so, uh, with the military piece, I'm just curious, what branch were you thinking of? Because the army, just like the my army. dad. Yeah, yeah, like my dad. Yeah, like my, my dad, dad too. My dad was in the army too. I just didn't test really well. And I was just talking about this on the last podcast. Um, but yeah, I was just curious about that because I'm always just wondering like what branch someone's most interested in. And then of course, military families is like, so, you know, it's like a part of my heart where I'm like, just like, oh yeah, like I'm curious because I tried it too. But, um, well, I tried it, but my dad wouldn't sign the papers. And, you know, that was that. Cause I was still young. I wasn't 18 yet. And then my other question was um, for the master's program, what decision pieces like did you know you were already going to go straight into your master's or was it something that you were considering and then you kind of like just committed to it um after graduation oh say this so to answer your question about the military piece now is that help my life right now is just about being disciplined so my dad was always repetition on being a pattern and discipline mm-hmm. and so as a person with a disability Having a repetition and being disciplined about certain things just help out your life go a little bit smoother right? as well. And so for the military aspect, that's what helps out. Because mm. people even see me now without knowing my story, they think I was in the military just the way about how I live my life. Yeah. I do things on a certain day, certain things, certain times, and I just do it. So people are like, yeah, you must have in the military. Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, nah, my dad was, but I'm a military kid. That and- transfers strong, though. Like that military kid and how it carries over. That's how strong that military programming is because I feel like it shows in myself as well. Um, and I also can, too, identify it in others. I'd be like, either you was in the military or somebody else somebody. in your family was. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Not definitely. And so then what was the second question you asked if you don't mind me? Oh, the, uh, yes. So then I was just wondering because... I think that oh, you asked about my graduate grad program. school, yeah, and I think that's always like a thing. Like you, everyone has a different journey about it. I knew that I would have to go to grad school eventually, but my plan was to like be like, I'm just trying to get through undergrad, and then um, I can see myself in ten years revisiting grad school. So I'm always curious to know from other people. Like, did you know from the beginning? Um, did you, you know? 
plant did you or did you graduate and then decide or did you have neither of those plans and just when you graduated it hit you you know yeah not definitely so undergrad was never a plan it was because of my accident i have a i'm really strong and openly about it that i have a disability Mm -hmm. and so physically you know you can't depend on your disability and certain stuff that you can't do and so I realized, like, okay, if I'm going to get through this life and be successful, I have to use my mind. Right. And so what it was, okay, get an undergrad. Okay, get the undergrad and then bounce off of your public speaking. Mm-hmm. But then COVID happened. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, okay, many opportunity and many doors was shut because of COVID. Mm-hmm. And I met other people who was in graduate program. They was like, bro, it's really smooth. Like, yeah. it'll work out for you, just depending on which program you're going to do. So my program first was human communications. Mm-hmm. And then I, I got into that program, but then I met this lady called Laura Myers, Dr. Myers. And so we met and, cause I worked with the basketball team at my school, Georgia State University, and I was the manager. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the grad assistantship, a lot of the grad assistants who helped out through the team, there was grad assistantship, they were telling me about this program, Macy program. And it was different routes you could take and it was a nonprofit organization. And one decision away, it's an LLC, but eventually I want to turn into a, a nonprofit. And I was like, oh, okay, it may line up to exactly what I want to do. Yeah. So I interviewed with Dr. Myers, and she told me about the program. And even though I had already been accepted into the human communications program, I was like, I fell in love with that program and just what they're about. Mm-hmm. And I just like maybe networking opportunities as well. And so I was like, man, let's just go that route and let's go to grad school. And so I'm in my first semester of grad school, and I love it, just the different opportunities, the different network yeah. abilities that it give you. And it also just give you more time time to figure out life mm-hmm. as well because I thought undergrad wasn't for me military and high school I wasn't the yeah. best academic kid at all I just did what I did to pass yeah. and then you know I was on disability scholarships because I have a disability and then grad school it just happened just to work out and just mm-hmm. in this place itself and so and the grad school program was only two years so it wasn't that long so two more years of schooling mm-hmm. so I was like okay facts let's just Go ahead and go with the right, let, let the punches roll. Just yeah, commit with it, yeah. and then now I got a grad assistantship working with a nonprofit organization. So grad school honestly has been a blessing so far, and I know mm-hmm. I have many blessings to come upon to just right. due to grad school, and so that's how grad school has helped me as well. Yeah, and so um, you said a couple of things that I really, really uh, appreciate because so for me, how you said like you know when you're faced with a time where it's just like, okay, well, I have the time to do it. I mean, it makes sense to do it right now. I was faced with that. And when you do that, especially with the whole two-year program, it's a couple of things. First of all, I too did not like undergrad in high school, even though I was actually a quote-unquote good student, but I wasn't, um, I went, I came, I, I started school up north So coming down south, it actually was less of a challenge. And it's not to say that I'm the smartest person because I'm not, I struggle in so many topics that I'm ashamed to say. But I will say it's about, um, I think that the way that the education system is set up, it's actually about your ability to maneuver and see what's what. Because education, and and um, I'm always like a hater for education in the United States because I don't think that they're teaching us. I don't think curriculums over, uh, overall are curriculums that are actually teaching you things. And that speaks volumes to the type of school system you're in. So 
when you're teaching us to gather information and just regurgitate it back out, what are we actually retaining? So now you've just made it to where it's like, you need to acquire this in order to move to this next step of life. I can understand that. And I will do exactly what you just asked me to do. So I am a regurgitator. I'm a skimmer. I will skim, read, regurgitate, whatever. But at the end of the day, though that was something that allowed me to succeed on paper, um, it's not something that really benefited me when it came to my knowledge base and what I felt like. What do I actually really know right now? However, as I say that in the same breath, I always, I always like to highlight the fact that I'm a true believer in if this is what you're providing me with and you're saying this is what you need to succeed in this society, I will succeed and I will fulfill those things. But I will also know, well, you need a fallback because I feel like, um, you know, I freaked the system, I maneuvered the system and I got it. But again, back to, it's not to say that I was the best student or I was the most intelligent or whatever, but I have a lot of value when it came to grad school because the same thing that you just pointed out, high school, and this is not the same story for everyone, but it resonated with me when you said it. High school and undergrad is like, you're making us go through the motions. And that is something that's a big pet peeve of mine in life. I don't need to go through the motions. Give me something of substance. Give me something that I can apply. You know, give me real life tools. So once I saw that, well, that's not what y'all was trying to do off rip. Oh, well, I'll play your game right with you. Like I will meet you there and I will, you know, succeed in that, so to speak, succeed, right? But um, grad school, I appreciate it because there was a lot more substance there. You're actually learning things that are related to what you will be doing. Um, it's very applicable and I'm still not in love with the institution of school, but I think grad school allowed me to see and have a greater appreciation for, wow, now this makes sense. And that's and it makes a lot more sense because I spoke to this um, as well on different episodes where I'm like, undergrad is a whole lot of core classes. And core classes, by the way, that we already took in high school. So, and then those high school classes, we already took in you know middle school and elementary. So. I just feel like it's flawed in that sense, but it is good and it is very valuable. And I'm glad that you're having that experience and seeing it so early on, just being in, you know, your first semester, because I really do feel like grad school is something that that's when you really feel like, oh, this is what school was supposed to be. You're educating us. It's making sense. It aligns with what I'm doing or what I'm trying to do. So I grew the appreciation for that. And then the last thing that I was just saying was just like, it's it's um, really wise to be able to see like, well, what else would I be doing? This is just a two-year program. And especially as the years go on and we get older in life, we begin to see more and more how two years can fly by just like that. I can do two years and look back and be like, I've done nothing. So at the very least, I can do two years and be like, oh, oh, I have a whole master's degree. You know what I'm saying? So I think that's really um, important. And it's great to see that other people had a similar experience or were, were, was able to see the value as well in those um, in those like journeys and, and all of that. So the last thing that I will inquire about is like, do you feel like you have certain things in line that you're trying to do in the, you know, in the near future? Or what do you want to do after uh, your master's program and stuff like that. Oh, no, definitely. It's always, I think, just as a human being, it's always feel like we feel like we can do more mm-hmm. in itself. But for me, I have my own goals. It's, my ultimate goal is to be an international speaker. 
and to help out as many people as possible. If it's not just during speaking, if it's just during a sit down one on one with you or different people podcast, then yeah, that's just that is what it is. But my ultimate goal is to help out as many people as possible. Right. Because I realize my story is that it creates inspiration for others. Mm-hmm. And I had to learn that the story just didn't it didn't happen for me, but it happened for other, for other for people it to help other people yeah. as well. So that would be my future endeavors is to make sure that I can always help people no matter if it's not every single day, if it's every other day, but just to help people out as much as possible. If it's not me being in a public setting and speaking, if it's me coming into contact with somebody because they see the way I walk and they want to know, man, what happened to you? Why can you get up and have a smile on your face every single day knowing you have a disability, knowing you have a disadvantage in this world? How can you get up and you smile every day and not like nothing is wrong and you just can just go on throughout your day? And so that's just what it is for me and just as... When I was in high school, I always thought that as long as I make somebody smile, mm-hmm. I could be okay because I was a class clown. Mm-hmm. But now <laughs> it's not only to smile, but feel better and overcome adversity in different people. That's just the way it helps people, and that's just what it is. No matter if I make a million dollars through speaking or not, whatever, as long mm-hmm. as I'm able to help somebody and just do what I need to do and my purpose on this earth, I can feel good about myself and I can lay down and I can go to sleep with knowing that I help somebody overcome the adversity where it's mental depression is where it's within their relationship, mm-hmm. where it's financial, where it's with their kids, where it's just with every, anything. As long as I could just help somebody go on and be the best they can be without possibly and just let them know that their circumstance doesn't defy them, their decisions do, then yeah. I could be okay with life. And I could, you know, that, that's all I'm asking to say. As long as you can change one person's lives in life, you'll be okay. Mm-hmm. But for me, I know I have a story that could change multiple people's lives mm-hmm. in life. And so that's what I just wanted do is be able to share my story to help other people change their lives as much as possible and just realize that it's not the worst because when we go through adversity as human beings we feel like at at the time yeah it's the worst nobody has it worse than us until we hear somebody else's story yes and so i want to be able to let people know even though you're not going through adversity when you go through adversity just know you're not alone yeah and you can overcome adversity and you can overcome depression and just mental illness and just anything is possible with faith. And just as long as you continue to walk through steps and you get through every day, you'll be okay in life. And that's yeah. just my goal. It's just to help everybody as much as possible. Yeah, no, that's that's amazing. And and um, you've always had this like really great demeanor. Um, and I'm sure it it speaks volumes to your um, experience and and you know what what you experience with your accident and things like that. But I've always definitely respected it and I've always seen like, I know it takes time to get there. I know that you've done a lot of self work um, to get there, but I respect it a lot because despite like anything that's you know happened to you, you do have, I mean, it makes sense why you are able to do the public speaking and, and why you value so much sharing your, um, your story because it shows, it shows within you. And like you said, you, you've you um, gotten to the place where you're like, I'm valuing so much really helping the next person. And I'm sure they can pick up on that as well when it comes from a very genuine place and, and from someone who had a, you know, a very tumultuous time. And so I, 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 I can't speak enough on how much I, I respect it and, and I see it in you. And it's just, it's really honestly, super amazing that that um you know how you've taken that uh that experience and really been like this is learning experience i'm going to continue to elevate myself i'm going to continue 
to um, help others based on that. So it's extremely admirable. And yeah, and then um, that's what I have to say. I, I appreciate you again for for being a guest on the podcast. Um, I, do, I wasn't trying to blindside you as much as I was really wanting to keep it candid. Uh, but also, you know, I do like always to say that it's really about people's journeys and what they're doing now. And I feel like, like I said, I've said it a thousand times before, but you're doing so much and you, you have such a, a unique and positive outlook on everything. And I think that you, without even having gone to any of your um, public speaking events, I can only imagine and know that like that energy continues throughout. So yeah, um, absolute greatness there for you. So yeah. And so now again, Claire, just want to thank you for having me on your podcast. You know, it's been an honor just being able to share my story and tell them i able to share my story. I'm real grateful and appreciative for just the opportunity and just the, what's the word I'm looking for? Just the opportunity as well, just to share my story. Yeah, because I was like, I'm not going to be able to find that yeah, word. Because yeah, yeah. this is a, a wine podcast yeah, yeah, at the yeah, end yeah. of the day. Nah, not definitely. <laughs> well, yeah, just the outlook and just the opportunity as well, yeah, just to share my yeah. story. Well, if there's any, because um, Chris made a really good point and I, you know, I don't have social media, but if there's any like plugs or anything that you want to put out there for the audience that I hope I will, you know, soon have. Um, please, you know, put it out there. For, I got you. you know. I mean, well, if you know, if you do have a social media and you're listening, you can follow me on Instagram at underscore one decision away with it in one and on Twitter at one decision away with it in one and on Twitter as I do. I don't normally tweet a lot, but what I do is on Sunday, Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays, I te- tweet inspirational quotes. Okay. Maybe a Bible verse. It may just be a quote that I just heard. Right. Or just a saying I come up with myself. And I hashtag it, one decision away, my ministry name. And I hashtag Q-tips, which is my name, Q. But I go by, no, it's a little corny and cringy. But it works out. That's actually not cringy because yeah. I like Q-tips. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah so that's what I do. And I do that on Sunday, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So, yeah. again, you can follow me on Twitter at one decision away with number one. And on Instagram, underscore one decision away with number one as well. And, again, just thank you for uh, having me on your podcast yes, today. Yes, thank you so much. I would love to do outro cheers, but we're out of wine. So, clearly, we did our jobs well. But, yes, until next time. Thanks so much. <laughs>